0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the PropSwap podcast. We are your hosts, Ian Epstein and Luke Pragandi, And we are also the founders of PropSwap, the first marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We've got another great episode for you. Uh, Joining us is Nesson betting analyst, Sammy P. Uh, We go way back with him from uh, his days in in Las Vegas, but also he's a a fellow Chicagoan uh, as well. So uh, we'll get to that interview shortly. Uh, But first, the Super Bowl is set. It's the Chiefs versus the Eagles. Uh, Eagles are a small favorite, uh, minus two, although... Uh, when the number originally opened, uh, it was going to be Chiefs as a one-point favorite, uh, and then once again, betters have come in uh, early against the Chiefs, and now the Eagles sit uh, as a, as a small favorite. Um, so uh, quickly, Luke, what are your thoughts on the? Uh, well, I guess well. First, let's just talk about the uh, the games on Sunday. Uh, any takeaways from from those two games?
1: I, I mean, I we've discussed my allegiance with the Eagles at length in this podcast, so I I've and wanting them to win I wish it was a closer game from a betting perspective like we we want parity um, that game was pretty much over from the first drive <laughs> that San Francisco Philly game so it would have been nice to see a competitive game we probably would have had some more sales on the website if it was um, but uh, I think that the Eagles have been the best team in the NFC since the beginning so deservingly so I it would not have been fun in my opinion to see a rookie quarterback play in the Super Bowl I, I think the Chiefs or the Bengals would have won that game um, so Wish it was more competitive. Happy the Eagles won, and then what do you what do you say about Chiefs Bengals? Just uh, awesome game. Burrow that f- Burrow that pick that Burrow threw down the left sideline. Like I honestly thought he was like throwing the game. Like that was so such a bad throw. Um, but story of two halves for Burrow. He he completely turned it around in the second half and and got sharp, but came up a little bit short.
0: Um, so yeah, agreed on the uh, on the NFC game. Would have loved to have seen a, a closer game um, just from a viewing perspective, but uh, as well as the the tickets sold, uh, I, I know that there were a lot of Niners betters uh, on the website that were. Were looking to to cash out and they just had no opportunity i mean the money was coming in on you know the odds kept dropping on them during the week and then just absolutely no opportunity maybe at, at seven seven uh there was a small window where the the uh some of them some people did sell their bets but uh i also was just curious to see you know what would brock purdy do in the situation right i mean he's undefeated um you know is this guy you know the next I don't want to say Tom Brady, but like, you know, it is another story of someone coming out of nowhere, late draft pick and ends up being just this, this epic winner. But uh, we, we didn't get to see that. Um, And then in terms of the AFC game, uh, I saw a lot of people complaining about the ref, the refs, um, you know, game is rigged, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, I, I was telling some people like I've, I've watched enough football. I've watched a lot of football this season. And that refereeing seemed about pretty on par with, (laughs) <laughs> the referee we've seen this season like that wasn't anything worse than than any other game that that I've watched this season and you know that's just what what happens um and you know although it sucked to have the game decided by um you know that that late push out of bounds that was that was the right call um Definitely. you know if if that happened in the third quarter no one really would be talking about it but because it happened at the end of the fourth and uh set up the, the game winning field goal. Um, you know, everyone wants to focus in on that. But the Bengals had plenty of chances to to win that game uh even even before that, right? You know, the they got the ball back with two and a half minutes and and uh uh couldn't couldn't do anything with it. Um so uh but I agree. Uh this is definitely probably the best matchup that we could have had. Um, it's the Andy Reid bowl. It's the Kelsey bowl. Uh, yeah. Plenty, plenty of storylines. Um, and uh, yeah, sh- should be, uh, should be uh, a-, a great game. Um, are
1: you looking for anything in, in particular for that game? Um, like my quick hits on what do I think it's going to look like? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, again, again, with Philadelphia, it comes down to the offensive line. I think Lane there has been a bunch of tweets by SportsCenter uh, tonight talking about Lane playing with the torn abductor. Adductor, um, which is a groin, and holding Bosa to zero sacks. Uh, Mayalata, the left tackle, took Bosa a lot yesterday. Um, so again, if if Lane continues to be able to pull this off, and Mayalata is the is the man in the left tackle, he's the biggest player in the NFL, and then Kelsey, the middle, Hall of Famer. Um, I I lean Eagles. It's just it opens up your playbook when you have an offensive line that dominant. So. Um, we'll see if 65, the right tackle continue, continue to stay healthy. Jalen needs to minimize his interceptions, but um, quick lands, I think Philly's a better team. Um, I, I still need some more time, but
0: I'm leaning Chiefs right now. Um, You know, the Holmes has been in that spot. Uh, Hertz has not um and the fact that the eagles have not played a meaningful four quarters since like early december i mean they had the division locked up you know they rested players a couple of weeks then the you know played danny dimes and the giants roll them uh and then you know the 49ers starting you know they're playing uh you know um josh johnson you know for for the majority of the game and did, you know like they didn't really have to uh come from behind at any point in time so um for those reasons, I'm I'm currently leaning Chiefs, but we still got some time, uh, so uh, we'll talk more Super Bowl coming up and stake or swap. But first, let's get into our interview with Sammy P. And we are here with Sammy P, betting analyst at Nessun, the New England Sports Network. Sammy, thank you so much for joining us this week.
2: I'm pumped, boys! It's good to actually hang out with you guys on the internet. Usually, we hang out in person, but this is uh, I guess there's a first for everything, huh?
0: Yeah, uh, whether it be Vegas, Chicago, Boston, yeah, we've, uh, we've definitely, uh, we've hung out around, around this country. Uh, so, I thought first we would just kind of talk about your role uh, at NESN, uh, and so for those who don't know, NESN uh, is a major regional sports network uh, in the in the New England area. Uh, you know, carries the Red Sox games and and is really just like a it's a twenty four seven sports network for uh, for those Boston sports, which as I think we all know, people are very passionate uh, about that. Uh, so I thought first we'd just talk about like how you what or sorry what what your role is at at, at
2: It's sort of changed, Ian, over the last couple of years when I first started. And again, the the role technically hasn't changed. It's been betting analyst. And that has several different meanings, as you can imagine. But my role for the first, like, six months of being here was to teach people what sports betting was. (laughs) Because, I mean, not a lot of people knew. I mean, it still isn't technically legal as we tape this. You know, it legalizes on Tuesday. So um, still can't make a bet in mass. But... There were a lot of people that were old school, roll up the sleeves, like, let's sell the Red Sox, sell the Bruins. How do we monetize our broadcast? And then it's like, oh, wait, this sports betting thing will make us a lot of money. We need to know what, a, you know, they didn't know what a point spread was. You know, nobody knew what a money line was or a puck line. Or So it was really, you know, educating these professional, you know, workers that are now my coworkers, like, what the hell this stuff all means. Like, what does minus three mean? Nobody knew. Okay, like three people knew. I'm being a little hyperbolic. But it was really sort of honing in on what it is and making it simple for like the sales team and the programming team and the production team. So that was the first like four to six months. And then a year into my uh my job here, we started a daily betting show. So I went from you know educating coworkers to now, all right, we need to build a show every single day, Monday through Friday. Uh it's on 5:30 Eastern. And uh, it's on Nessa 360 as well. So it's really cool. But, yeah, I mean, we, we were doing, like, news hits two, three times a week. Like, all right, here's the Red Sox win total. Like, what should we do with this? But now it's a daily conversation around all the pro leagues. We talk about college as well. It's a daily, what I call, is it's a daily study guide for the test, right? And the test is every night when the games go up and the ball goes in the air, the puck gets dropped. So um, that was sort of a roundabout answer, but it's been mostly educational. Started with coworkers and, and employees and now it's like, all right, now we need to share with the audience what this stuff means and what to bet.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like the the you know, the higher ups at Nesson, like the new sports betting is this giant thing, it's coming, it's it drives a lot of content, but that's about all we know. Like we don't actually know like the, the nuts and bolts of it, and that's kind of where you came in and were like, Yeah, like you are correct. It is very popular and very important, and here's here's how it all works.
2: My CEO has said several times, I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> but it sounds great. And I think and he, he would admit that, too. Sean would admit that. You know, he's not a sports betting guy. That's probably why he's so successful, because he doesn't burn his own money, you know. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't throw 50-50 coins in the air every night like we do. Um, but I think they were amazed, in all honesty. I think they were amazed when they started to have these conversations. When these books were calling Nesson. You know, because the books don't they don't wait until it goes legal. They start to Mm -hmm. have these conversations with these TV networks. And it could be the Yes Network in New York. It could be NBC Sports in Chicago. It could be whatever station we're talking about. These conversations have been had long before these states go live and legal. So I think our, you know, our C-suite team started to hear these numbers where these books were like, all right, we're going to give you $40 million for X. And they're like, oh. And, and, and it's not just going to be, you know, one book. I think we're going to have a different, you know, shake. Like, the Red Sox pregame will have a, same, a different sponsor than the Bruins pregame. And then in-game is going to be different. Like, we're going to use lines from different books. Um, there are several conversations going on. But I think they, they knew that betting was popular, but they didn't know how profitable it was. And they didn't know how much money these books were willing to spend getting their brand on the television.
1: Yeah. So, Nesson's owned by the Red Sox, Right. So is yes, there sir. any Red
2: Sox and Bruins, but the majority Red Sox.
1: Right. So are there any different rules that you guys have to play by versus an NBC sports or, you know, CBS who has zero affiliation with any pro sports team?
2: Yeah, I haven't really, Luke, been privy to those conversations, but I know that we can't like it's not the wild west here. We we yeah. are in you know the same conversations and the red sox have been you know you know john henry and his team and then the jacobs family and the bruins like they have been basically holding our hands through this entire process i've been in a couple of these conversations but like i don't know i don't know the the red light green light of what we can and can't do i imagine we can't be you know pumping all kinds of crazy like problematic things like i don't think in the third inning Dave O'Brien, the voice of the Red Sox is going to go, all right, get in your uh, live same game parlay. You know, like I don't (laughs) think that's going to happen, but it it is, it's a good question because when you watch some of these different networks and see some of these shows, it's like, all right, well, here's analyst wise, six Leg same gamer. And you're like, wow, I can't believe they're actually doing that because odds are good. It's not going to win. And and you guys know me, we've had these conversations in person. We've had them on the phone. It's like the fact that a sports book can get a network, to basically tell you, like, hey, wink, wink, like, make this 12, ke- uh, 12 team parlay, like, that is that is horrible because more of those lose than win. But I, I don't think we're going to be doing problematic um, principles on on Red Sox and Bruins television. I hope not, at least. <laughs> I, I think that has to be the plan.
0: Yeah, yeah. your 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 other favorite is the is uh, the odds boost, right? You know. Um... <laughs>
2: Yeah, we're gonna um, boost this from, from minus one ten to plus one thirty. It's like it, yeah. it never I remember my favorite odds boost was when DraftKings boosted Giannis to score. No, Giannis to get a double double. And I, I that was the game I think he almost blew his knee out in the playoffs. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, wow, well this is very fitting, isn't it? It didn't win. He finished with, you know, six points and four boards and then my new favorite thing on Twitter is when people bet on something and a player gets injured and they demand the refund. Now that's my yeah. new favorite thing. You know, like Luca got hurt last week. FanDuel refunded all the Luca bets and then Brock Purdy got hurt on Sunday and it's like, well, what about my Purdy bets? And it's yeah. like, you you can't, come on. Like you made the bet. It lost. Move on with our lives.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let, wait, let's, let's, let's talk about that for a second, because I agree that is becoming uh, a, a huge thing. And, and it's, uh, and you see it a lot with NBA, right? Just because there's just the function of being there being more games, a lot of superstar players. People love to include the those props because they kind of know who they are. Um, you know, I, I for one, I, I bet, uh, yeah, Purdy under passing attempts uh, yesterday that worked out. Uh, you know, I didn't think it was going to be because of an injury, but yeah, I mean, like what I'm not sure. Do do people realize they can bet the unders on some of these props uh, that, and, and I get, I guess there's, there's certain things that maybe they don't they don't offer a no on or, or an under on. But um, yeah, like, do, do you see this? It's, I mean, it's only going to get worse before it gets better. Right. Do you think with people kind of complaining and do you think that the sports books set a bad precedent, um, you know, by by by, you know, rewarding some of this behavior? You know, we had Seth Young on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and points bet was kind of the first company in the U S to do this with their bad beat refund on the saints Rams NFC championship. And then that just kind of snowballed from this major event with like this headline making, of uh, you know, news to just anytime an NBA player, you know, gets hurt in the first quarter, like they want a refund.
2: Yeah. And not only do they want, like, they don't want to void, they want their money back, you know, like they, it's just, it's crazy to me. Like they, they sometimes want to get paid out. You know, they want their well no i mean they're not avoid they want their money back and the money they should have won because like some of these books have graded losses as wins and how about was it the book in ohio bet fred before the afc title game they paid out all the bengals like championship futures like yeah whose genius idea was that because they just lost but now you yeah. gotta pay out all that money that all these guys and girls in ohio have been hitting you with for you know the entire month of january so yeah i mean it is a bad precedent The good thing is these books don't have to do anything like it's not in their house rules that they have to, you know, pay out a a, somebody breaks his leg and they have to pay that out. But I think it has sort of given these new consumers that are entering the market last six months, last 12 months, like they think that's the norm. And then, you know, DraftKings or FanDuel or PointsBet or whatever will say, all right, we're going to we're going to pay out all of these bets on LeBron James is over because he got hurt in the fourth quarter with 10 minutes to go and he should have won. Well then, when I see that as a consumer that doesn't know any better, I'm going to go, "Well, wait, what happens when I bet on Jimmy Butler and he misses the second half with a concussion or whatever?" Like, I'm going to want that because you paid out LeBron. So, yeah, it's it's I think it's bad precedent is a good way to put it, but the sports books are also putting themselves in bad spots because they are sort of picking and choosing when it's kosher to do this. And that's what, you know, I've had these conversations with the Westgate, Circa, Golden Nugget, South Point. They're like, yeah, we don't do that shit because we don't want to deal with this. You know, like we're, we're not going to refund or give you bad beat refunds. It's just, it's not going to happen. It's hard enough, you know, to book all this stuff and have to pay out big parlays or whatever. They're like, we're not dealing with this because it's a marketing tool. And that's what it is. But the books that have, that have used it are, Still dealing with the negativity when they don't refund, like it's almost becoming something that people expect. And when they don't get it, they flame the book, which isn't what the book wants. But it's a it's a wild it's a wild turn of events.
0: Yeah, um, and I, I would have think that someone in your position, which is like educating sports betters on how to be, you know, a smart. You know, winning sports better. This is not great because it's kind of telling people indirectly, like, "Well, I can make parlays, and I've got this some sort of like uh, injury insurance if it if it doesn't win." Which, like you said, like they can pick and choose their spots, and so now it's 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 uh, it's telling people to make some maybe some some parlays that they shouldn't be making because they think that they're somewhat pr- uh, protected. Um, to sw- uh, just to switch gears for a second. So, uh, you know, when, when we first met you. Uh, was in Vegas when you were working for, for V-SIN, um and then you moved on to Chicago. Uh, so, you know, what what kind of have you learned uh, in your previous spots at, at Vison and, and kind of a similar role in, in Chicago uh, that that kind of has helped you in, in uh, your role at Nesson.
2: I think really building these relationships over the last, you know, four years. I left Chicago. I was at WGN for about six years. I was betting illegally on the side. I had the podcast chicken dinner where I like we couldn't talk about it on the radio in Chicago because it wasn't legal and people were like oh my God gambling kills and uh, ironically enough now I go back on all those same stations for my picks and all that was <laughs> just <which is> hysterical <laughs> but like learning who the movers and shakers are and I'm not just talking about like you know sportsbook people I'm talking about like betters with influence uh people like Kenny White who make numbers and power ratings like I didn't really know what a power rating was till I got to Vegas and like I I was able to sort of understand how these lines are created And I also learned that there's a difference between odds-making and book-making. But really, and I mean, you guys know this. I don't need to tell you. All the states you're in now, what are you guys in, 20 states? Like, I mean, the the rules are different, more or less, in all these states. The people are different. Obviously, the personnel is different. Um, It's good to get, you know, to a level where you can pick up the phone and text somebody in New Jersey or Louisiana or Nevada or Illinois or wherever and say, hey, like, what are you seeing on this game? Or what do you like in this game? Or what does the house need? So really getting an understanding from what the other side of the counter is thinking has changed everything for me. Like I used to think of it as, all right, here's the board. I'm going to roll my sleeves up, and I'm just going to fire bets. And now mm-hmm. it's like, well, wait, like why is this line only two and a half? Why is this favorite two and a half on the road uh, as opposed to like four and a half, five? And getting understanding of why these numbers are what they are, um, see where some of the respected players are in, and then... My favorite like nugget is when I'll get a text from like my buddy John Murray at the Superbook. He's like, "Yeah, we have a twelve to one ticket con on this college football team," and I'm like, "All right, well that means they're not going to cover," you know. <laughs> so like hearing hearing things like that, like when the market is set and then we are this lopsided or we need this or we like that, like that has sort of changed the way I think and how I you know give out information and discuss certain things. But yeah, I mean it's the importance of networking and knowing the right people and. And how they can help you so that's that's really the name of the game you know like meeting people remembering people and then understanding that several sides of the equation can affect the point spreader and market it's not just the betters it's not just the odds makers it's not just the bookmakers you know it's a combination of all of those factions working in harmony and that's that doesn't just like happen overnight that takes years of understanding
0: yeah um, so you mentioned something there, uh, the difference between odds making versus bookmaking. Um I try and tell this to people, you know, I, I used to work, I used to be a risk manager at Cantor Gaming before I started PropSwap. Um kind of for the people out there, like just give like a like a one minute overview of, of what that difference is because I'm I'm pretty sure most people don't know the difference between making a number that you you know, your power rating number versus hanging a number and, and moving it based on, you know, or or not moving it based on bets.
2: Yeah. Luckily, there's an example that is extremely recent. So let's look at this AFC championship that just transpired, where at one point Cincinnati was a two, two and a half point favorite over Kansas City. And you think about it and you're like, well, wait a minute. A week ago, Buffalo closed minus six against Cincinnati. So, all right, we have that. We have Buffalo minus six. And at the time, I had three guys tell me that Buffalo and Kansas City are basically neutral. Like, they're almost the same team from a power rating standpoint. So if Buffalo closes minus six against Cincinnati, how is Cincinnati at Kansas City? Like, how how are they minus two, two and a half? That's an eight-point difference. And, again, we didn't know about Mahomes. Initially, it was bad news. He wasn't going to be able to play that well. He was going to be 50%. But, like, you can't quantify how good Patrick Mahomes is or how valuable he is at – 50%. So even when this game finally got back to where it was supposed to be or close enough and KC's two, two and a half, it's like that still doesn't make sense. Like if I was a Bengals better, I should be getting three, three and a half, four. I should not be getting one, one and a half, two, two and a half because the shift from last week to this week made no sense. Like Cincinnati is all of a sudden not that much better than they were last week, and the Chiefs aren't that much worse. Like just because Buffalo choked again – That shouldn't affect the line that much. And guys are like, well, I know you like the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. I'm like, yeah. Would you bet the Bengals this week? No, because that line is too short, period. You can't take two when the game should be higher than three. And that's, I mean, it literally just happened where their overreaction was so real that Buffalo closed minus six, yet Kansas City closed two, two and a half against the same freaking team.
0: Yeah. Um, So I I guess to to kind of sum it up, you know, Odds making is, you know, is the sports book kind of making a number and then kind of leaning one way or the other. But the bookmaking is is moving the number based on the bets and not just the number of bets, but the the people who who, who are making those bets. Uh, but, yeah, to your point, I saw a quote from some risk manager that was like, we would have ma- if Mahomes was 100 percent healthy, we would have made the number five and a half. But because of the questions, we opened at KC minus three, and then within minutes it was bet like you said down to you know KC minus one, all the way to to Bengals minus two, uh, two and a half. So. Um, when that line closes, people think, you know, oh, like, how do the sports books know, right? And really, it's just no, like, they're just moving the number uh, based on, you know, that's not what their prediction is. That's just the number that they've moved around based on the the action, right?
2: Yeah, I think, yeah, and to to wrap it up, I think the one point I didn't make was, like, odds-making is, like, getting the number. Like, let's take the number from the algorithm, but then we also have to understand how people are going to bet it. And not just the sharps, we're talking about the public um you know if they would have opened Kansas City five five and a half they would have written no bets on Kansas City everybody would have taken Cincinnati five and a half down to five down to four and a half down to four and it would have got the three and then they would have probably like lost everything you know they would have pushed the threes but you can't open something when perception changes on a dime you know Cincinnati's win over Buffalo made them way too sexy and the books had to account for that because nobody wanted to bet Cincinnati against Buffalo Yet all of a sudden everybody likes Cincinnati to win the Super Bowl after they beat Buffalo. So as a bookmaker, you have your number, like you just said, the number's five five and a half, but you can't deal that because you're not gonna write two way on it.
0: Right. Um yeah, and yeah, and, and I think also that goes to the point of it, people overreacting too much to what they just saw, which uh, I think is it's a it's an issue for for everybody, right? You, you you it's hard to block out what you just saw versus in that, you know, versus a week eight game, let's say. Um so switching gears you know we we you mentioned earlier massachusetts finally going to be uh legalizing this week uh i'm sure people are extremely excited to to not have to drive across the border uh to go make bets in, in bordering states uh you being one of those people um so what has the appetite for uh for betting content been so you know like uh has there been a strong appetite for betting content so far in, uh, on, on nessen and do you see that growing even more now that it's going to be legal
2: I don't know that it grows that much more. I mean, once the switch goes on, like we might get, you know, a faction of this state that you know has been living under a rock for the last five years and and doesn't know what a point spread is. But I mean, that look—you go into any bar around here in Boston, odds are good that somebody in that bar either has a bookie or is a bookie. So I don't think that's going to really like. It's not going to just explode like this appetite for content because I would argue that. 70% of the people that are going to gamble going forward are already gambling. I don't have data on that, but, you know, if I pick 10 people that have an account in the next six months, seven of them have probably gambled before or currently gamble. Um, But the the traffic on the site has been great. I mean, we do um, written columns and videos on NessunBets.com, and the traffic is, is up and to the right. Um, it was funny. We had a meeting last uh, last May or June, and one of our content managers was like, "Why did the the traffic dip after February and March?" I'm like, <laughs> "Well, because the Super Bowl's over and March Madness is over, and now it's just baseball for the most part. Like we have NBA, NHL playoffs, but we have seen you know from August through March, the numbers are good. People are consuming this content." Um, I think I don't think people need to read our site to know what to bet, but it's if you're looking to get down on something, it's nice to have supplementary stuff, you know, like you, you know what you're gonna bet for the most part, but if you see somebody writing a column that sort of reinforces your bet, you're like, Oh, okay, cool. And you make that bet. We just wanna be the place where you can go log on, not only read about the local teams, but understand that like, hey, you can bet on a lot more than just the Patriots, Celtics. Bruins, Red Sox, all that. Like, people don't just gamble on local teams. And that's another lesson I had to teach people here at Nesson. Like, you know, they do bet on the Avalanche and they do bet on the White Sox. Like, (laughs) you don't just bet Boston teams and then shut her down. Like, we're, you know, we want to gamble on Hawaii at midnight. You know, we're up or down 500. We want to keep it going.
1: Yeah. Uh, True or false? Math doesn't care about college sports.
2: Um,. I, wow, I mean, <laughs> I care about college sports, so I'm not, I'm not your prime subject, I guess. I, I don't know why they think that that we can't like bet on Boston College or Harvard or whatever. Not that anybody's going to want to bet on Harvard football. I mean, there's probably <laughs> like six people that that would. Um, Boston is not a college sports town, though. To answer your question, so yeah. I guess I'd say. I would say true for most people, but it's like you know we all grew up around Chicago. Like, do people care about Northwestern? Like, not really. When went there, um, <laughs> I went to Illinois. I don't care anymore. Like, I I I could care less because it's it's a year round professional town. You know, it's you got the two baseball teams that lead you into bear season, and then in October November it's hockey and basketball season, and then it's like oh like Northwestern's two and one because they beat you know South Dakota State Northwest and. You know, Bunker Hill Community College. Woohoo! Um, so I think there's there's a similarity between Chicago and Boston. I think I think we'll gamble on it out here, but the passion isn't as high as it is for pro sports. No, doubt about it.
0: Um. So in terms of uh, like how we got here with, with the legalization, from from the outside looking in, uh, it seems as though regulators in Mass took uh, a methodical approach. Uh, with it, putting it uh, one way. Um. What has been the the sentiment inside the state in terms of how long it, it has taken to to get to this point?
2: Yeah, methodical is an interesting <laughs> way to put it. So I started here in December of 2020, and in the first couple meetings I had, the bosses were like, "All right, we're going to be ready by July 1st, 21." So that was the first you know goalpost, and then it just all of a sudden it was well, maybe by Super Bowl 22. And then it was football season twenty two and then it was Super Bowl twenty-three and we we finally got there because we kept like you know, we kept moving everything out. I just I don't know. What I was told is that the Senate president wanted her back scratched, she wanted some bills about mental health and climate change, and she wasn't getting what she needed, so she put the you know, put the bear trap on sports betting. Well, if I don't get this, you don't get that. Um, again, we all grew up around Chicago, so we know how crooked some of this stuff can be in politics, but that's the name of the game. Like, I'm going to help you when you help me. And it wasn't that the state didn't want sports betting. There were so many people that wanted it to be here. I mean, good Lord, like I have to either drive 45 minutes to New Hampshire, 90 minutes to Connecticut, an hour to Rhode Island, or I go into Western New York, that's, you know, three hours, like, to make a bet. And that's the dumbest shit ever. Like, I want to bet, like, I'm trying to give you my money that you're going to tax and put back into the state. But that's what it was. It was a power struggle between the powerful people in the Senate and the House of Reps that they weren't ready to proceed until all the other stuff was accounted for. And once the compromises were made, you realize they made everything work, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And they had, like, 48 hours to hammer out a deal, and it was done at 5 in the morning on that Monday. They made it work when they needed to, but it took everybody to sort of – scratch each other's backs until they made it work but once that happened man that bill came out right away you know so yeah. that it makes you wonder like how close was it or how far apart was it? i don't think we'll ever know but once all the eggs got in order we had a bill
1: yeah no i i get asked constantly like how is sports betting not legalized in mass when DraftKings is headquartered there like 30 billion dollar at its peak market cap company like how did they not have lobbyists to push this thing through and it's just a testament to how complicated politics can be, and how powerful if you don't have that one person saying yes. In your example, that Senate President, like I don't care if you put a hundred billion dollars towards it, like it sometimes just cannot get done without that single, you know, person saying yes. So, um, yeah, it's exciting, it's here, but I, it's, uh, it was, it was the most confusing state to me over the past three years was Massachusetts. It was just like, what are we, what are we waiting for?
2: Yeah, and I tried to understand it. I just I couldn't, and I was talking to some pretty heavy hitters that were lobbyists out here, and they were like, we have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And then the funny part, I mean, we've been to Fenway now handfuls of times. Like, how many times did we go to Fenway? The Orioles are up 7-1 to one in the ninth. You know, there's this guy, like, you know, there's a guy on second base. You know he's got the over, right, this guy <laughs> in the stands. Like, you know, they all have action on this game, Yeah. and the Orioles – get the single the run scores from second it's eight to one the Red Sox guys going nuts because he's got over eight and a half you know like people are betting and they have been betting. Yeah. how about uh what was the playoff game when they uh, here in Boston when they booed so-and-so because he ruined the over with like two seconds <laughs> to go and like it was like somebody was on ESPN saying like sports bet it was like Kyrie Irving or something hit a three at the end to send the game over and they, he got booed off the court and they're like wow sports betting is evil like they you know, like Fans still had action before this, and they will have it long after. So we sure. we didn't wait for the House of the Senate to figure
0: it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think what these states have shown is that, like, yeah, we can do it, but I want to make sure I get credit for the one that, that is, you know, like, I'm going to use this part of my reelection campaign or, or, or whatever. Like, you know, I, I want to make sure I get credit for, for, for passing this, right? Um so, uh, switching gears. Uh, in a story we broke earlier, uh, the Super Bowl is coming up uh, between the Chiefs and the Eagles. Um, not going to put you on the spot here in terms of a pick because I know it's it's very early. But uh, just for the people out there, you know, what is your strategy, or what would you say is a is a smart strategy in terms of approaching these props, which there are hundreds of them that can be found. Uh, you know, as the game gets closer, we will there'll be more and more coming out. Do you, do you have a strategy in terms of how you approach those?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's different every year, Ian. I think, you know, this year specifically, I'll be looking at some of the Eagles receiver props because they've played in two cakewalk games so far. And I think, you know, this game against Kansas City is obviously going to be their biggest test of the entire season. I mean, they had the easiest regular season schedule, and then they faced the Giants and Daniel Jones. They were up, what, 21-7. to They could have won 52-7 to if they wanted to, and then they faced the 4 string quarterback in San Francisco. Um, So, like, they haven't been pushed for an entire game because they've been up big, and then in the third, fourth quarter, they just they turn and hand the ball off. I think there will be a very realistic chance that not only are the Eagles in a tight game, but they could very well be down in the third and fourth quarter. So what am I getting at? I think you look at A.J. Brown. You know, first quarter on Sunday, he had three catches for 30 yards. If the Eagles were in a tight game, he might catch 14 passes. But what happened? Brock Purdy gets hurt. You know, Johnson can't throw or run or handle snaps, and it's like, all right, we just need to run the ball. I think you look at guys like A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, maybe even Dallas Goddard, I think the Eagles are going to be passing more, not only from a game script, but because they're going to be facing one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen. So there will be back and forth action, and the Eagles aren't going to sit on three, four touchdown leads the rest of the way. You know, like this is a, a coin flip game. Against Mahomes and Andy Reid, and this should be back and forth. So the first thing that I'm thinking about, we're two weeks out, but it's like, all right, let me get these Devonte Smith props. Let me get these AJ Green or AJ Brown props. Let me bet them over now, because the public week of the game, two days before the game, day of the game is going to go wow. And you know, I kind of like AJ Brown's over. And I'm like, of course you do, because he's the number yeah. one receiver on the team. But if you bet it on monday january 30th or wednesday february 1st you can probably go over 70 and a half and then day of the super bowl it's 78 and a half so now my my bet i need 71 yards but you need 79 cuz you waited you're making the same bet it's the same you know basic need you need him to catch x but these numbers run like 789 yards Mahomes is a perfect example. Like That prop's going to open 290. It's going to close 302. So I think when you think of the star players specifically, think about betting those overs early and then waiting until day of the game to bet the unders because the public does not bet a lot of unders, not only with the game total, which is going to probably close in the, in the low 50s, but these star player props, the A.J. Browns, the, the Travis Kelseys, the Mahomes, the Hurts, I imagine that all of those props are decidedly higher than they are when they opened after championship sunday so that's that's the first thought process like i think aj brown's going to catch you know 10 balls for 100 yards but i'd rather go over 70 and a half than 78 and a half and the only thing that will hold me from getting that good number is if i wait
0: yep no i think that yeah we we talk about all the time where it's yeah obviously the pep- the public loves to bet overs and yeses and that only uh, kind of magnifies itself as the game gets closer. So if you do like that side, bet it early, but uh, if you like an under or a no on something, then um, wait until closer to uh, to game time. Uh, and then I'm sure something that, you know, goes without saying for you, but uh, got a price shot, right? I mean, sure. you would be shocked to see the differences in some of these props, right? Cause like, so for game lines and totals, these books pretty much just follow each other, right? You've got this screen that shows every other book and, you know, they might be a half point different, but they don't want to be multiple points different because that way, then they're only going to get one sided action. Uh, but for some of these props, that data is not publicly, it's not as public for these sports books to, to view what other books have. So uh, if you can kind of put in the legwork and go figure out what A.J. Brown is at five, six, seven different sports books, you could find a five to six, seven yard uh, discrepancy in, in in those totals.
2: Yeah, and it's all based on what they need, right? Like, the DraftKings number could be different than the MGM number, not because of what market is. It's not like a point spread. Like, you'll never see the uh, the Eagles at 2 and then the Chiefs at minus 2 and then the, you know, Vegas Book at minus 8. Like, that's never going to happen. But you do see the discrepancy in the props. And the other thing, look, you guys are going to laugh because I'm going D-Gen here. But <laughs> I have already started my Gatorade homework for this game. So we've seen the Eagles now dump. Lemon-lime Gatorade multiple times this year, including in the AFC title or the NFC title game, they just dumped the uh, yellow Gatorade and the Chiefs in every big game they've won have dumped orange Gatorade. So, with a game lined at 2, you know, Eagles to win -135, Chiefs to win +15, but you could probably get a yellow Gatorade at 4 to 1 and an orange Gatorade at 5 to 1. Um, it's one of my favorite stories ever. <laughs> we found out 2 years ago there was a kid from Chicago who was an equipment guy on the Bucks sideline, and he goes, "Hey, if we win, this Gatorade's blue." So the Bucks were a three-point dog; they were plus one forty or plus one fifty, and the blue Gatorade was eight to one. You know, it's like, "All right, we're making the same bet. We either bet the Bucks to win at plus one forty, or we bet the blue Gatorade at eight to one. Bucks win, dump blue Gatorade. You know, it's a much nicer payout at eight to one." But I'm I'm thinking right now that it's either going to be yellow. Or orange, and I promise you, those prices are going to be better than either team on the money line.
1: Wow! Uh, you see, yeah, Luke, and-
2: not, Luke is nodding. He's like, <laughs> "Oh, man. He's like, He's uh, like,
1: uh, I agree." I was going to say, we sell tons of Gatorade props on Props Up. Like, I always laugh at that, but I agree. Like, if you you know open the hood a little bit, like there is some strategy behind it. Um, you know, we watch every football game this year. I don't even know if I realize the Eagles have been yellow twice. So, good catch.
0: Yeah, definitely noticed it uh in the NFC Championship game. And good to know on the orange for for the Chiefs. Uh yeah, I will be betting these before we uh we post this uh post this podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean I think that's that's even that's even a better strategy than uh you know, MVP where it's like you can get the quarterback at better odds than the team money line and it's like, you know, nine times out of ten the the, the winning team's quarterback is going to be the one that wins the mvp um you know i think there are a couple other live people you know including like travis kelsey if he has a, a repeat performance like he did against uh the the jaguars but um that's uh, that's great strategy. Also helps to ha- to know an equipment guy who will tell you what what ga- what color the, the Gatorade is. That, that yeah, that's also. I helpful. think
2: that's a violation, but I want to keep this in. Don't don't edit that out. I definitely want to go to jail for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> let let's just say this. To, you brought up MVP. I, I think it's it's always important to think about the possibility for a game record on defense. You know, I would rather you bet like let's you know people are going to bet Isaiah Pacheco or Jarek McKinnon, and it's like okay, I get it, but they're not winning MVP. It's either going to be Mahomes or Kelsey or Chris Jones, right? Like a guy who can get to the quarterback, three sacks, force fumble, you know, strip sack, return. Um, you, you think about Von Miller in the Super Bowl when they beat Carolina. Von Miller dominated the entire game from the defensive line. Um, a guy like Hassan Redick, you know, if you like the Eagles to win this game, he I mean, he changed the entire game against San Francisco. Now, do you give him MVP for injuring the quarterback? No, but, I mean, he had two sacks in the first quarter, forced a fumble, knocked Purdy out of the game, and that changed everything. If a guy like Hassan Reddick gets three sacks and a fumble for a touchdown and the Eagles win 20-13, to 13, he has a good shot. But you yeah. could probably find him, if you shop around, again, to your point, you could probably find Hassan Reddick at, 40 to one all the way to 70 to one, depending on what these books are going to have, because defensive players don't usually win it. But that's a guy who has high upside. You bet 10 bucks to win, you know, 400. Um, I've certainly made worse bets, but those those high end defensive players that get to the quarterback. um, I think the number is a little too high sometimes on those guys. They don't usually win, but that makes the price higher because everybody bets the quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, and you can sell it on propslop if they have a sack or Force fumble. Uh, Chris Jones, 50-1 to 1 at FanDuel, and Reddick 30-1 to 1 at FanDuel to win MVP. Yeah. Um, all
0: right, well, uh, Sammy, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, get those bets in uh, starting this week in, in Massachusetts. Uh, we wish you luck in the Super Bowl, and uh, thanks for joining us.
2: I can't wait for our Gatorade bets, boys. Thanks for having me, and uh, whenever we all get together again, I promise you won't have to carry me home this time.
0: <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you again to Sammy for joining us. I uh, hope you enjoyed that interview. Um and uh he uh, he mentioned some uh some some interesting stuff regarding a uh, Super Bowl Super Bowl props. Uh so uh with with that in mind, let's head into Stake or Swap. <laughs> So as you know, there are hundreds of props to choose from. Uh, we will get into way more coming up next week, but we thought uh, just kind of as an early primer, uh, we would talk about a couple props that uh, are already out. Um, Sportsbooks will, will continue to release more as uh, the days go on this week. First up, uh, we'll talk about the Eagles receiver, A.J. Brown. Sammy mentioned it. Uh, currently, his uh, receiving yards prop is at 72-and-a-half. Uh, Luke, uh, you go first. Are you uh, staking or swapping A.J. Brown uh, at over 72 and a half?
1: Yeah, um, I'm going to stake A.J. Brown uh, on the over. So you can actually find them at 70 and a half at DraftKings. Um, So I will take the over on A.J. Brown. I mean, if you would ask me before, hey, it's not like a broken record, like, uh, you know, Sammy uh, breaking the news here. But like if you would ask me before the Sammy interview, what, did, what would I have like Super Bowl prop-wise? Gatorade bath is always fun, and then A.J. Brown over. I thought A.J. Brown over in the Niners game was going to hit. They obviously were in control of the whole game, so they didn't need to throw the ball. But I just feel like the Kansas City DBs are so bad. Um, And if Jalen Hurts can connect on you know two, one deep ball and a few other intermediate passes, um, he'll go over on that 70-and-a-half. So I would, I would stake 70-and-a-half over A.J. Brown.
0: Yeah, uh, I will. I will stake that as well. Um, kind of for the the same reason Sammy was saying, which is that I think that there could be a chance that they're playing from deficit uh, in the in the second half, and and will need to throw the ball. Uh, you know, even though they are predominantly a, a running team, uh, and then. I kind of like, uh, over five and a half receptions as well. Um, I, I could, you know, I could see some quick hitters, uh, you know, you're kind of, you know, kind of relying on the bomb, but, um, he's, he's a pretty good possession receiver, uh, as well. So, uh, over five and a half, um, I, I, I like as well. And I also, as Sam, you mentioned, um, if you do like overs, I feel like you got to get in early because those numbers will just continue to grow. So, um, if, if you like a yes, to, or you know something to happen, or um, you like an you like an over uh, earlier is better than later. And then on the flip side, if you like an under, uh, definitely wait until uh, closer to game time if you can. Um, next up, going to talk about a little obscure prop. Uh, it is Kansas City to win both halves at plus four ten. So again, this is different than uh, the popular halftime full time bet, which basically means. You know, will a team be leading in halftime and will they win the game? Uh, this means Kansas City will will win the first half and score more points in the second half. So, uh, for example, if if Kansas City is up by 10 and a half and then only wins by three, this bet would lose. But if they are up by 10 and a half and, you know, win by 17, this bet would win, just as an example. So, uh, I'll go first. I am going to stake Kansas City to win both halves at plus 410. Um, and again, I, as I mentioned, I'm leaning Kansas city, but you know, if, if I'm, I'm also looking at it from the strategy of, is this a bet I could sell at halftime of the game? Right. And so if Kansas city's is, is wins the first half by any margin, now all of a sudden this bet has skyrocketed in value because now, you know, they just, they've, they've shown they can compete. Um, they're show that they might be the better team. And, uh, this would be a bet that just goes up in value and you could sell on prop swap. Um, at at halftime and then just the other thing is again as I mentioned if you compare this to the halftime full-time bet which says Kansas City you know uh leads at halftime and wins the game that's plus 175 so you're getting a kind of a similar bet uh at plus 410 versus plus 175 and again I think this is something you could you could sell easily during the game uh and then just the last thing I'll mention is if you disagree with me and you say um you know you you think philly's gonna win you can also get philly to win both halves at plus 340. so uh an interesting uh prop to uh to go look at um
1: but luke what, what are your thoughts yeah nice find nice find, even finding this prop super interesting one um i mean i will i will swap this prop uh nice notion to our company name um because i mean i'm, I'm leaning eagles anyway so obviously if you if the eagles win this bet is a loser because they this would be, um, the Chiefs would have to win both halves. So, um, you know, could the first half be, set, you know, 14-13 Kansas City? 100%. Of course it could. The Kansas City can score at will. Travis Kelsey, apparently, just people, just teams refuse to guard him. Of course he can score at will. Um, so I, ju- I will swap it because I'm leaning Eagles to win this game, and that would fly in the face of this prop. Um, but getting four times your money on a team that is, uh, you know, a very small dog in this game. Like that's, that's great value. So good job finding those.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Um, as you know, as, as you mentioned before, got a price shop, uh, different sports books have different props. Uh, this one uh, I found was at Caesars, um, but uh Different books have different lines, different odds. So uh, definitely make sure to uh, to price shop because uh, the difference of a couple yards or uh, odds can uh, can save you some money and, and make you some money when uh, when uh, you go to sell it. So. That will do it for for this week's episode. Again, stay tuned next week. It will be a Super Bowl prop extravaganza. Uh, we'll get into some of the sales uh, that we had. Uh, we'll I'll gloat about my Travis Kelsey MVP pick, uh, and we'll uh, we'll talk some Gatorade bath. It'll be uh, it'll be a great show. So thank you so much to Sammy. Thank you for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and we will talk to you next week.